Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everybody. Doing all right? Good. It's a, it's a fine morning. If, uh, if you haven't been with us over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been in the middle of a series called The Power of Partnership, and we're using the imagery of a yoke. I asked the, the band to start our service today with the song, The Power of Love, because so many times as we think about relationships, and that's what we're going to talk about today, when we think about relationships, we primarily think about the power of love. The great feelings we feel when we're with them, uh, the, the desire to do whatever it takes to have them, the power of love. But today I want to talk to you about the power of partnership. The power of partnership is something altogether different, and I believe that the, partner, the power of partnership is rooted and grounded in love. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at one key text that's found in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to read it together, and then we're going to dive into it from another angle this morning. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, so we'll take a look at it. Jesus says this, key thing to understand, he's not talking to everybody. When Jesus says this, he's speaking to his closest friends, his disciples, the ones he has invited into the most intimate relationship with him. And he says to his disciples, come to me, all who labor, who work, and are heavy laden, who are under the weight of their load, and I will give you rest. Then he says something that that may not make sense to a lot of us in modern culture. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if you're unfamiliar with a yoke, I, I have one on the stage with me. I've been using this as an illustration And the reason why is because I wanted you to see how a yoke works. I want you to have this image seared in your mind when you think about what it means to follow Jesus. Because what Jesus says is we've got this yoke. And if you're unfamiliar with what a yoke is, a yoke is simply a wooden bar that binds two animals together as one for the purpose of work. You can put two donkeys, two horses, two mules, um, two cows or oxen inside a yoke and the two of them will push together and they will pull a single load and you get the combined strength of both animals when you put them in a yoke. It's amazing to me that Jesus says, I'm inviting you into my yoke. Think about it. Because when he does that, yes, he's promising rest, but he's inviting us into his work. He's inviting us into what he's doing in the world. And he says, I want you to abandon your agenda and I want you to embrace my work, my agenda and pull with me together. It's a beautiful picture of partnership that Jesus uses as he invites his disciples. And and that's kind of how we started. A couple weeks ago, we started this series, and we talked about how the cost to to accept Jesus' invitation to enter his yoke is everything. That, That you have to abandon your stuff in order to embrace his stuff. That you have to abandon your agenda to embrace his. That is the call that Jesus makes to his disciples and those who would follow him. It costs everything, but it's worth everything. Week two, last week, we talked about how when we're in partnership with Jesus in the yoke, it changes the way we view work. It changes the way we view work. It changes the way we we work at our job. It changes the way we do the things that we do every day. Did you know that one-third of your waking hours, for most of us, we will spend at our place of employment? And last week, I talked about how when you're working with the king, everything you do is kingdom work. Today, I want to talk about how our partnership with Christ affects our relationships, 
I want to talk about how our being in the yoke with Jesus affects the way we partner with people in our lives, okay? That's what I want to talk about. When I was a teenager, about 14, 15 years old, I remember I happened, I was just in the kitchen with my mom, and I happened to mention the name of a girl that I was interested in. It was a risky move. And uh, like, like most mothers, she pressed in hard. Oh, tell me about that. Who's this girl? What's, what, oh, I see a spark in your eye. Like she, she recognized something was up. And she started probing me and asking me questions. And then um, I'm telling her some things about this girl. And then she asked me the question. And if you grew up in church like I did, and I know not all of you did, she asked me the question that caught me off guard. She's like, is she a Christian? And my response, I probably rolled my eyes. Yeah, let's be honest. I was like 15. I rolled my eyes like, mom. And I remember saying, I, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure she's not a Christian. And she goes like, oh. And I said, but she's really nice. She's pretty. She's sweet. She's a good girl for me. And my mom just said, okay. And then so she did what my mom would often do. She quoted a Bible verse. One that I want to share with you today. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. She didn't even flinch. She's just like, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? She said, you shouldn't be unequally yoked. And as a 15, 16-year-old boy, you know what I heard? God doesn't want you to date a pretty girl. Because I've been to church, and the girls at church, at least the girls at my church, were ugly. You know? And, because, man, I had eyes for this other girl. And, and I remember, I said to my mom, like, they're ugly. And she's like, no, they're beautiful inside. I said, I can't see their inside, you know? Now, we are fortunate because in this church we have so many beautiful young ladies. But you didn't attend my church, okay? It was slim pickings. I'm just saying. It was. But but as a 15, 16-year-old boy, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, don't be unequally yoked. That makes sense. I'm like, unequally what? Yoke? All I heard was, God doesn't want you to have a pretty girl. She's off limits. All the girls that you're interested in are off limits. you got to date one of the girls at church. I mean, that's what I heard in my head. Unfortunately, I never understood what this whole concept of unequally yoked was all about. And so I want to share that with you. I want to help you to understand why when God gives this command, specifically to Christians who are following him, to say, hey, be careful who you partner your life with. Be careful who you get in the yoke with. That he does it because he loves us. And I want you to understand the significance of it. And I want to help you today to choose the kinds of relationships that will be life-giving as we learn from this principle of being unequally yoked. And so uh, this concept of unequally yoked, where does it come from? Why does, why does Paul the Apostle refer to this? Why does he warn the, the Corinthian church? Hey guys, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why does he say that? He's actually referring back to the Levitical law. So when, when Moses led the people from Egypt and they were going into their own land, he comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of laws that God gave, civil laws, to help them, to protect them. And one of the laws is found in Deuteronomy 22, and it's obscure and weird, but I hope it's going to make sense as we look at it today. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 10, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Does anybody else think that is a weird rule? Like, why, why do you even have to say that? And the reason why, and I actually have a picture just to show you how strange this is. Someone already photoshopped it for me. I found it on Google, okay? So what God is saying is, hey, this doesn't work. 
If you're going to pair two animals together in a partnership, if they're going to be working together, you need two of the same kind. That's the point. He says partnership works when you put two of the same kind within the yoke. When you find equals and you put them in a yoke, everything works extremely well. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, what's interesting about this, you can take down the picture, thank you. What's interesting about this is that this verse that my mom quoted to me and that I'm talking to you about today is actually not a dating verse, and it's actually not even referring to marriage. It's a partnership verse. Paul is actually warning. He's saying, be careful who you get into the yoke with. Be careful who you partner your life with. Be careful who are the closest people, the most intimate relationships in your life. Because if you partner with the wrong people, you will be unequally yoked. And we're going to talk about some of the implications of that. Anytime two people enter into a significant relationship, they're in in essence entering into a yoke. And this is a warning. Paul's saying, be careful partnering with an unbeliever. Why is he saying that? Is he saying that because the, the, the people that are not Christians in your life, that, that those people are bad? No, he's, he's not actually saying that. Is he saying that you shouldn't partner with those people because, uh, you know, church people should, you know, have a commune and should separate themselves and go up north somewhere and build a big wall so they can stay away from the bad people? No, that's not the point he's making at all. He's warning That if you partner your life with somebody who is of a different kind, you're going to have all kinds of issues in your life. See, unequally yoked equals partnering with someone of a different kind. And I want you to see that this goes so far beyond just Christian, non-Christian. Did you know you can date somebody who says they're Christian and still be unequally yoked? Getting a few nods. It's true. This is, as I said, a command for Christians, but I believe that this... Do not be unequally yoked actually applies to everyone. So if you're, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're listening online and you say, I don't even know if I believe this stuff, can I tell you something? You do not want to be unequally yoked. You do not want that. It doesn't work. It never works. And when I say equal, when I say finding your equal so you can be equally yoked, I'm not talking about race. I'm not talking about socioeconomic background. I'm not talking about your personality. You do not want to, to marry or going to business with the person who is exactly like you. Right? I'm not talking about personality. I'm talking about something altogether different. You know, my best friends growing up were always very different from me. Because I found that people who were the same personality as me drove me nuts. They're annoying to be around. It's true. My wife's nodding on the front row. <laughs> so you want someone who's different. You want someone who's complementary, but equal. But equal. And so in a few moments, I want to share with you some of the equalities that you're going to be looking for as you seek to enter into significant relationships in your life. If you're unmarried, this is going to be super helpful for you as you look for a spouse. If you're married, it's going to be super helpful to help you align your marriage together in a way that is extremely productive. And so today we're going to talk first about marriage because honestly, marriage is probably the most amazing example of partnership. Right? There are all kinds of partnerships. I mean, you can be in a business partnership. You can have a best friend. You can partner with people in different ways. But marriage is like a partnership on steroids. Because, because you're not just partnering your money. You're partnering your time. You're partnering your life. You're partnering your bodies. You're partnering everything you have together as one. It's an unbelievable example of partnership. And so let me just say this first, that marriage is a yoke. It's a yoke. Not a joke. It's a yoke. All right? When two people get married, they 
they enter into a yoke together and the two become one, okay? And we're going to see this in the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 3, it says this, Pharisees came up to him. These are religious leaders and they have a question, they want to trick Jesus. And they tested him by asking him this question, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now highlighted that word, any cause, because there's an angle to this. They want to know what are the appropriate reasons for getting a divorce. They're trying to find an out. They're trying to find a way out of the yoke instead of a way to stay in it and make it work. You see what's happening. And Jesus responds by pointing them. He doesn't respond directly with an answer. He actually responds by pointing them to the model and to the ideal for the yoke of marriage. He says, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said... Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, not push away, not abandon, not leave behind, but hold fast to his wife. I added all those in. And the two, notice this, see the yoke imagery? And the two shall become one flesh. Two becoming one. You're entering into a yoke of partnership in marriage that is extremely significant. He continues in verse 6, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. I often recite these words during wedding ceremonies. It's a powerful image. It's the ideal. It's the thing that God created us for. And, uh, and what I wanted, to, wanted you to see is this, that God actually has a higher standard for marriage than we do. Right? Like our culture doesn't say marriage is this beautiful thing that you should aspire to. Marriage is this beautiful yoke relationship that you're to, to join together in. It's just kind of like, oh, that's a thing. God has a high standard for it. Verse 7, and then, and then he said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? If you go back to Deuteronomy and read the text, it actually says that a man could write a certificate of divorce if there was some indecency or impropriety found in the wife after they had gotten married. So there was something hidden, it was something terrible. But of course that wasn't defined, so they started using that little out clause to get out of the partnership. And they were using it and abusing women. And Jesus comes to their aid and says, no, 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 this is not the way I intended. I intended for two to become one and to work together for the rest of their lives. This is the way it was intended to be from the beginning. He says, because of your hardness of heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. Now, I recognize that in this room, we have single people. We have married people. We have divorced people. We have widowed people. We have people who have been married and divorced and remarried numerous times. I understand that there's lots of complexity. There are lots of dynamics to this conversation. My point is simply this, that Jesus doesn't say, oh, marriage is a thing. He actually raises the bar and the standard on relationship. He says when two people enter into this yoke of marriage, this partnership, it means something significant to God. That's important for us to acknowledge today. God cares about how we do relationship with other people. It's significantly important to him. So I want to illustrate, um, I'm going to share with you today three keys to being equally yoked. This is going to be super helpful for everybody, I hope. Uh, But what I need is I need a couple of volunteers I'm going to need a guy, I'm going to need a girl, we're going to uh, yoke them up in marriage. So it could be really fun if they were single, uh, but it doesn't have to be. But I, I need a couple of volunteers, a man and a woman that are going to come up. And just before you volunteer, you need to know you're going to be up here for a little while, because we're going to demonstrate all three uh, key points together. So with that being said, do we have someone that would like to come up and do this? 
slow going. Do we have a married couple that would like to come up? Ron and Carrie, I'm looking right at you. Can you guys come up and help me? They're like, oh, rats, please cue the music. So you guys can stand over here together, side by side. All right. You want to stand right here, Ron? This is perfect. Okay, and just hold this in front of you. Don't, don't actually put it on yet. Okay. We are gathered here today to join these two in holy matrimony. Now, fortunately, they're already married, so this is less awkward. Um, that's great for the music. So, we have two people who are going to, hopefully, join their lives through the covenant of marriage. And when they do so, in just a moment, they're going to enter into the yoke. All right? This is extremely important. There's something I need you to know. This is kind of what, this is going to be an express version of marriage counseling. There's something I need you to know, Ron, and there's something I need you to know, Carrie. This is exciting, and when you get in this yoke, um, there's going to be some extreme benefits because all of a sudden, your abilities and strengths and your abilities and strengths are going to be paired together. And when you're in this yoke, you guys are going to be able to do things together that you could never do on your own. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That's something to look forward to. But also, I need you to know that when you get in this yoke, the two of you become one. You're going you're to gain strength, but you're going to lose independence. Some of the things you used to be able to go where you want, spend what you want, do what you want, hang out with who you want, that's not going to be the case anymore. You're about to get married. This is why when two people get married, they call it getting hitched. All right? Because they're about to hitch themselves to one another. This is a very, very powerful thing. But you have to understand that you gain something, but you also lose something. Um, when, I, when I met my wife, who's in the front row, I, I found the girl of my dreams, okay? And she was a pretty Christian girl, so I snapped her up, okay? <laughs> so when I found her, I met the girl of my dreams, but when I married her, it meant I couldn't dream of other girls. See, you see what's happening here? I gain something and I lose something, okay? This is extremely important to understand. So I want to share with you three keys to finding your equal, and, uh, and we're using the, the example of marriage, but this applies to every relationship. If you're going into business with somebody, you're going to want to walk through these keys as you establish that very, very significant relationship. If you're going to have a best friend that you're going to do the next decade of your life with, you're going to want to run through these key significant things, okay? The first one is this, that you need to find your equal, not the same, your equal in values, in values, okay? So I want you guys to put this, put this yoke on, so just slip that over your shoulders, okay? So these guys... I do, I do. And if you guys were single, I was going to tell you, like, I actually have the authority. We could make this official. We're in a church. We have a crowd. But you're already married. So you, you need to find your equal in values, in values. Now, this often gets missed because people are overcome by the power of love, and they rush into marriage. They're overcome by the power of love. They start dating, and they think everything's wonderful, but they haven't actually figured out if their values are aligned. You know what your values are? Your values are your inner thoughts, motives, desires, beliefs that drive all your external behaviors. The way you behave is driven by your values. And so when you're dating, you can ignore the, the behaviors of other people. Like, ah, it's not a big deal. He'll change. She'll change. It'll all be different when we get married. The problem is, is that those values will continue to drive. And here's the other thing you need to know. Those values will often not surface for many, many years if you're not careful. So, for example, Ron, I'm going to just spin this around. Ron, he's coming. They just put this yoke on, okay? And when they put this yoke on, they, they approached marriage with a why. That's their values. So maybe Ron entered this marriage going, I want to have seven kids. And I want to go camping with them every weekend. 
My dream is to have a big family. I don't care what kind of house we have. I don't care what kind of car we drive. I just love kids, family, and this is my desire. That's a deep value inside of him. Now, Carrie, she is all about her career, okay? Uh, maybe, maybe her family didn't have a lot of money, and so for Carrie, it's all about uh, making it in the world. It's about proving something. It's about achieving and, and leadership, and, and that's fantastic. All of that's good. But she's entering into marriage with a different value. How many of you know when two people get married, they can often have very different whys behind why they're getting married, Right? Carrie might be entering into marriage um, with the thought of companionship, and Ron might be entering into marriage with a whole different idea. Okay? Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Let's be real. You have different reasons why. Some of you just got that. There are different reasons why two people enter into marriage. So it's significant. The why is super, super significant. And so let's play this out, okay? So, so Ron and Carrie get married. They have two very different fundamental values of marriage and what they're thinking it's going to be. But it doesn't show up in year one. They get their first apartment. They go on a honeymoon. They have a vacation. Things are going well. Year two, they buy a dog. Still no problem. Year three, they start saving for their first home. Year four, they buy a home. They furnish the home. Year five, Carrie gets pregnant. Year six, the baby is born. And all of a sudden, something they've never talked about, these two very different values are clashing in year six. Do you see what I'm saying? Because all of a sudden, what he thinks the rest of their marriage is going to look like and what she thinks are very different because they came to it with different values. They never thought that they were unequally yoked because they both went to church. They didn't think that. See, this applies to everybody. Let's take God. Let's take religion and Christianity right off the table. Let's say you have two Muslim businessmen, and they go into business together. And they both work hard, and they invest their money, and they're building this business. And the problem is, is that one of them has this value of, hey, I'm building this business to give it to my kids. And his business partners, I'm building this business to sell it and retire. And in the early days, they don't talk about it, and they're building the business, and everything seems great, and they get through the hard years, and now the business is profitable. It's worth millions of dollars. And one partner goes, I found a buyer. And the other one goes, over my dead body. I'm giving this thing to my kids. That is unequally yoked in a business. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to be unequally yoked. If you're going to bind yourself to anyone, whether it's marriage or business or some relationship, you want to make sure... Your values are the same. Is that making sense? Is that helping anybody? Okay, so they're now in the yoke. Their values are aligned, let's say. Now the next thing you want to be equal in, you want to find your equal in direction. So here's another thing. You can have the same values, but you can be going different places. And again, this is what I didn't understand when I asked my mom, hey, when I argued with my mom, that it was a really good idea for me to date this girl that wasn't a Christian. She was great. She was probably nicer than a lot of the Christian girls, but there was a fundamental difference in the direction that our lives were going to take. And and what you have to understand is when you are yoked together, you are going the same place whether you like it or not. So here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to demonstrate this for our audience, our lovely audience. And I want, Carrie, I want you to go down that aisle. And Ron, I want you to go down that one to demonstrate. Go ahead and give her a try. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's good. Come on back up on the stage. Yeah, notice, notice Ron is taking charge there. He's, he's using his strength to overpower his wife. Gentlemen, don't do that. Don't do that. He's giving me preaching material. It's wonderful. Uh, you want to be, you see, some people, man, they, they get into a relationship and they're like, it doesn't matter where we go as long as we go together. It sounds great until you want to go someplace and you can't go, right? 
It sounds great in year one, but year five or year 10, it becomes something extremely significant. Am I, am I talking the truth? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? So, so you want to find someone who has equal values. You want to find someone who is equal with direction. They're going the same way. Otherwise, the partnership will be destroyed. And the third thing that you want to have is you want to have someone who is equal in effort. Equal in effort. This is so important because you can have somebody who believes what you believe. You can have someone who says, says they want to go where you're wanting to go, but they're not willing to do the work to get there. And maybe some of you experienced this. I'm going to get, if I can scoot this over, we need a bigger stage. Um, but if I can get, uh, Ron, if you can, let's do it back here for an illustration. Ron, if you can stand in the middle of the stage, and I want Carrie to pretend like she's, she's driving this thing by herself, so she's going to be circling Ron, essentially, right? So she's trying, to, she's trying to do something, and Ron, you can just keep spinning in one spot, yeah. So, so what happens is, they're not pulling together. He's standing still, and she's pushing, and what, what's happening? They're going in circles. They're going nowhere, right? Now, you can take a break for just a second, all right? Now, think about it. How many of you have ever done a school project? And yeah, your, your teacher says, hey, you're going to do this assignment with these three students. And you look at them and you're like, oh no. oh no. Because you care about your grades and they clearly do not. And so this entire project and the entire workload falls on one person because your partners are not willing to pull their load. How many of you like that feeling? Nobody put up their hand. Can you imagine doing that for your whole life with a marriage partner? Can you imagine getting into business with somebody who's not united with you in the effort and you find yourself, you start circling again, yeah, keep going. This is, this is important image. You find yourself doing this and frustrated to no end because you are unequally yoked. I, I wanted this moment, you keep spinning, just keep walking. You, do you have a, no? Oh, getting dizzy. Okay. Well, okay. Just imagine that she's continuing to cycle. Just imagine that's happening. This is really, that, that's good, you can take a break. Uh, this, is, this is a significant image. And I wanted to take a moment here because, especially for those of you who are married, there have been times in my marriage when I've been Ron and allowed my wife to pull the load. And that's okay for a week or two weeks, but that is a very, very bad pattern for a marriage. You understand what I'm saying? And maybe there's someone here and you're watching this happen and you're going, yeah, I'm the one that's dragging my spouse down. I'm the one that's dragging my business partner down. And you're seeing that for the first time and saying, hey, I got to step up my game. There are too many men in the church that are allowing their wives to pull the heavy lifting at home as it comes to faith. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. I know I'm not. That's why it's so quiet in here. And so as you join into partnership, the idea is that you're pulling together. So when these two are going in a straight line and they're pulling together, there's so much strength. You guys can just push into that. There's so much strength when they're pushing together. This is, that's good. You're hurting my arm. <laughs> no, this, this is the image. This is what Jesus says is the model. Two people, not the same, but equal. Two people pushing together with Christ in the work that he is given to us. This is the model he gives for marriage and partnership. Thanks, guys. You can pop that off. Give them a round of applause. They were great sports. It's, it's a powerful and helpful image, isn't it? And, and so as you think about um, the relationships you're in and you say, well, how can I assess? How can I know if I'm equally yoked? Well, you need to ask the question. 
Are our values aligned, like truly aligned? You got to get past all the surface stuff. Like, we like the same kind of music. We both like country. Like, I don't care about that. You need to have your values, like the things that matter most to you, they have to be aligned. The second thing you have to make sure is that you're going in the same direction because when you get yoked up to somebody, uh, you, you have no other option than to go together. And the third thing is you have to be equal in effort. You both have to be willing to put in the work to get where you're trying to go together. Is this helping anybody? Is this making sense? This is why, Paul says, don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Because somebody who's a believer has committed their life to following Jesus and going where he sends them. And the person who's not a believer has not. The person who's a believer has a certain set of moral standards and compass and direction and all of this stuff that God is leading them on and the other person does not. That's why it's such a deal breaker. Because the values are not aligned. The direction is not aligned And so therefore, the effort will not be aligned, and it just doesn't work. Is this making sense? So Paul, he says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Let me tell you what he's not saying. Paul is not saying you can't be friends with someone who's not a Christian. He is not saying you can't work with. He's not saying a lot of things. In fact, Jesus, if you you look at Jesus in the gospel, he is criticized often for the people he hung out with. Jesus spent a lot of time with people that were nothing like him with prostitutes, with tax collectors, and lawyers. He spent time with, with, with the people that in their culture they looked at and went, those are, those are bad people. And Jesus spent time with them. He cared for them. He loved them. He ministered to them. And so we're not saying that. But here's what I'll tell you. Jesus partnered with and chose very carefully his disciples. The ones that got to see him in his difficult hour, the ones who walked with him, the ones who followed him day by day, who got the closest insights, the ones that were partnered with him in his work were ones that he chose very carefully. Does this this make sense? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Jesus says this, going back to our initial text, he says this in, in verse 29. Jesus says this, he says, take my yoke upon you. So he's inviting us into this yoke of work with him, this relationship with him. And then he says, and learn from me. Now, when I see that phrase, learn from me, it, mean, it would mean nothing for me except that I spent years working at a ranch. A couple of weeks ago, I told you how I went to this ranch and I worked as a, on the maintenance crew and it was terrible. And I made it through the summer. What I didn't tell you is that I went back for the next four summers and volunteered those as well. The difference was, instead of cutting grass, I was working with kids and horses, which I loved. And so it became an amazing experience. And one of the things I got to see, which again, I wouldn't have had any access to, was they had those large Belgium draft horses. You know, the big golden horses that are like this thick, massive. And they would hitch them up and they would pull wagons for wagon rides with kids. And I remember watching and helping and listening. And so they had one horse that was an older, wise, calm, well-trained horse that was the lead horse. And they put that horse on the one side, always on the same side. And then they would bring along a young, powerful, crazy, wild-eyed horse, and they would partner him with the older, mature horse. And the moment he got in the harness, he would just look and take his cue from the lead horse and just calm right down. And whatever that lead horse would do, that that young horse would just follow right along. And I asked them, I said, why do you do this? They said, well, because this horse is well-trained, and he's calm and mature, and this one is not. And so I'm going to pair these two together, and this one is going to learn from that one. And that's how they would train them in the yoke. And Jesus says, likewise, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here's here's the point I'm trying to make. 
But the person you enter a relationship with, the person you yoke up with will rub off on you. I am not the same person I was when I got married. I'm different. Why? Because I've spent the last 19 years with my lovely wife, and she's different than me. We're equally yoked, but she's different than me. And so her personality, her viewpoint, her mannerisms, they start to rub off on me because we're working so close together. And Jesus, his disciples, after he had gone, people met them, heard them, and said, you guys must be Christians. You must be followers of Jesus. We can tell by the way you act. Jesus had rubbed off on his disciples, and now they carried something of him with them. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is also why you have to be so careful about who you get into a yoke with. Because the people that you are closest with, the people that you are doing life with, at that close proximity will rub off on you. How many of you know that's true? That's why parents are so cautious about who their kids hang out with. Because they know this is true, intuitively. So here's, here's kind of where I wanted to wrap things up. Before, before you get in the yoke with anyone, before you high school students hook up, you need to understand, you're not looking for somebody that just likes you. You're looking for a partner. That, that's the concept here. And, and in doing so, you need to find someone who has the same values. You need to find someone who is going in the same direction and someone who is willing to put in the effort alongside with you. And that's not an easy process, to find your equal. I'm going to invite the band to come up because we're going we're gonna to begin to wrap things up here. And... Um, I was thinking about some application for this, and uh, my first thought went to teenagers, right? Because in teenager, in the teenage years, even in grade school, grade seven and eight, um, I have kids in that age range and right into high school, and I'm telling you, it's crazy. It's like everyone has someone, and if you don't have someone, then you're no one, and your identity is connected with, you know... Does she like me? Does he like me? Because if he likes me, then I feel good about myself. If he doesn't, then I don't. And it's all, it's, you're trying to figure out who you are. And here's what I would want to say, and this applies to everybody, but especially to teenagers. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know what your values are, if you don't know what direction your life is headed in, if you don't know what level of work you're willing to put in, how could you possibly find the one? You can't find your equal if you don't know who you are. And adolescence and into your young adult life is so difficult to discover who you are. But if you're willing to put in the work now, I guarantee you, your success rate at finding an equal partner will skyrocket if you're willing to do that. I'm thinking about, um, you know, single people who want to be married and it's so easy uh, for those single people to, to just get Scared, time is running out, the clock's ticking, and all that stuff, and to say, well, I'll just, I'll just cut a corner, I'll just drop a value, but I want to encourage you to, um, to find your equal as you progress through that, through that relationship. I was thinking about married people as well, because I know many people in this room are married, and uh, there are kind of two, two married groups I want to address. First one is if you're married to a believer, if you're married to someone who has shared values and faith in Jesus, can I just tell you, you are lucky. You are not lucky. You're blessed. How's that? You are blessed because even though your marriage will have difficulties, even though you'll have challenges, even though your personalities will clash, you have the same foundation. And if you're willing to work at it, 
with the strength of God, if you're both individually in a yoke with Jesus and then paired together as a couple, that's a beautiful thing. And God can work miracles in your relationship. God can heal brokenness. And, and you can begin to align your values and your direction, all that together. That is a process that you can enter into. But I also want to address those who may be married, but may be married to someone who is not a believer. Because this is also common. And what you may be surprised to know is that the New Testament does not teach that if you happen to be already in the yoke with somebody who's not in the yoke with Jesus, that you know, you're not to leave them. You're not to run away from that. In fact, what the New Testament teaches is you're to lean into that relationship and love them. Because here's the thing. When you're in this yoke with Jesus, he's rubbing off on you. And you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, but that Jesus that's rubbing off on you, if you give it time and you pray over it, will begin to rub off on your spouse. You see? So I want to encourage you today, no matter where you find yourself um, in the relationship sphere, that partnering with Jesus is the most significant thing you can do. That as you lean into him and as you get in the yoke with Jesus, he'll begin to change who you are, which eventually will change the relationships that you end up into. So you want to align your values and your direction and your effort. Uh, to close, I, I want to just uh, read a passage of scripture to you. Um, I don't have it on the screen. I'll just recite it. And uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, is one of the key marriage verses. Paul writes and he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus demonstrates for us, because he's entered into a yoke with us, he demonstrates for us the way that we ought to love one another through sacrifice, through giving of ourselves. And today as we close our service, we're going to have an opportunity for reflection, and maybe this is an opportunity for you to stop and go, where am I at with my relationship with God? Where am I at with my relationship to others? And communion of the Lord's Supper, which we're going to partake of in just a moment, will be an opportunity for you to just go, hey, where am I, and can I align myself with God in this moment. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.